Welcome to Passports and Postcards, where we discuss everything travel, from cultural inspirations to exciting destinations and everything in between. With your host, Randall McKeown. Hello and welcome to Passports and Postcards. My name is Randall McEwen. I'm pleased to have on the show today Michael Finney. He is an author, director, narrator, podcaster, and wears many more hats. He has a book out, one it's called 1893, Chicago's Columbian Exposition, a photographic and literary album, volume one. And he has a book exploring national parks. So I want to welcome Michael to the show. How are you today, Michael? Good, man. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. So one of the things we I'd like to ask you is, what piqued your interest about the 1893 Chicago's Columbian Exposition? Well, you live around Chicago. If you're a, a lifelong resident of the area like myself, it uh, it has a legacy and you can't really get away from it as you explore the city because there are buildings that are left over from the event or that were attached to aspects of the event when it was going on. Um, there are two buildings particularly uh, that are still around the city one of which is the Museum of Science and Industry, and the other is the Art Institute of Chicago. They were built specifically for the event, and they are still active museums where people can visit and see all kinds of great um, art or uh, installations about science and, of course, industry. Thanks for that. Now, you are a traveler. How... What sort of piqued your interest into traveling? Like, how, how old were you when you first started really traveling? Oh, geez. Uh, so, um, you know, I guess probably like right out of the gate, um, I've been traveling back and forth. I have family out by Pittsburgh and would run there every summer uh, in between school. So I spent cumulatively like years around Pittsburgh, um, even though I've never lived there you know, traveled with family a lot, would go into Michigan, used to go down to the Carolinas, uh, would take different trips here and there, uh, visited family in Spain a couple times as a kid as well. So it got started pretty early. And I think it's a great opportunity to get exposed to culture. And then also just to get away from home, obviously, because uh, you get kind of wrapped into the mundane routine when you're when you're stuck at home. Well, I think on that note, a lot of us have been feeling that now with the uh, pandemic. Definitely. It's almost a full year now, well, at least here in, in, in Canada, when things sort of locked down for us. So we're all suffering cabin fever. And the the idea of being able to escape somewhere would be really good right now. Now, is there any specific, like you said, you've been to Spain visiting family. Is there any other parts of Europe that you've been to? Uh, no, not yet. One day, uh, at some point, I would like to get back over there. There's lots of places that look really incredible. I think like most people, I'd like to hit some of the, the hot spots. But for me, uh, specifically, uh, I would like to go back to Spain again. It's been a long time since I was there, so I just haven't haven't had the time or made the time, I suppose you might say to, to go back and visit though. I have actually seen 
family from over there. They've they've come over and visited us. And whereabouts in Spain, roughly, was that area that you've? Oh, okay. So uh, we, I went over there a couple of times, and most of my family's in Madrid, but I also have family over in Valencia. Um, went to Seville, Cordoba, Toledo, all kinds of different places. It's not that big of a country uh, compared to the U.S., obviously. So you can get around and see a lot of different things, and it, it's it might even be the place that first introduced me to the variety of architecture styles that exist in the world. And it's, it's a great location in terms of there being this very mixed culture of, because of different uh, societies that have crossed the Iberian Peninsula over time. Is there any place that places that are on your bucket list? Places in Europe or just in the world in in general? Anywhere in general. I think, you know, after Lord of the Rings, everybody wants to go to New Zealand. (laughs) Um, I personally would love to go to Japan and watch sumo wrestling uh, during one of the uh, grand tournaments. So every two months they do grand tournament um, there for for the grand sumo. Uh, next month, if you're interested, they'll be doing their 15-day tournament in March. That would be pretty incredible. I would like to go to Morocco. I think that would be awesome. Um, trying to think of, of other places that would be interesting. I think Egypt, you know, I, I think that would be pretty incredible as well. And uh, I, I probably should venture around South America some more. Now, I can just get a tone from you that you have a passion for architecture. Is there a particular style or period that you're very interested in? I really like Art Deco personally because I think that it blends the historical, well, not historical, but the classic aesthetic, um, you know, that we see around the world in terms of there being these kind of geometric shapes and patterns that are so prevalent uh, through antiquity, but then it, it takes that and it combines it with modern materials. So it's when you start to see the inclusion of steel and glass into those forms and it allowed them to uh, make, make the shapes and the forms a little more plastic. And not to say that, um, I dislike modern architecture. Some of it can be good, but also some of it looks very, um, you can get a little grotesque at times. I hear you on that. Here in Mississauga, we have a pair of buildings built uh, several years ago. They're twisted in such a way um, that it's very abstract. It looks like the building is actually melted. People refer to them here as the Maryland's, as in Marilyn Monroe's legs. Hmm. Um, it is very interesting, and uh, what I'll do is I'll just shoot you a little f- a photo of it once we're off air. Oh, that's something, great. Something just to see. I know that for me, when I went to Paris, first thing I fell in love was the architecture and the fact how they have tried to maintain it, whereas you go to a large cities nowadays, and it's like tear down the old, build something yeah. new. It's a shame what happened in Notre Dame a couple of years ago with the fire and everything. Oh. I saw that and I was just like unbelievable because 
all that history, like I know they can rebuild it. They have the tools to rebuild it, but it'll never be the same. Right. What do you do for a living? So I do content development and consultation for small businesses. And um, I like to specialize on technology uh, focused organizations. That's kind of my specialty. Uh, I'm not necessarily like the type of person that is, uh, you know, a beauty influencer or anything like that. So it's not really my speed, but Mm -hmm. I do really like to pay attention to new technologies, new media that is happening in, in terms of blending the types of media with emerging experience, right? So I, I would really love to expand the Chicago 1893 project into that space, this, uh, this extended reality space. I think that would be fantastic. A lot of people, when they hear the word technology, they sort of take a step back. I'm the one to take a step forward. And whenever technology comes, I'm usually one of the first people to jump on and try it. I know the latest thing right now is the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. It's just for iPhone users currently, but I know that the company plans on opening it to Android platform shortly. Um, I know there's, I think they're saying there's 6 million users right now. Is that what they're saying? Okay. I, I was curious what the, what the user base was. Well, it was funny because uh, I checked the stats and I think in December or early January, they were saying around 2 million the end of January, 4 million, and here we are into February, and they're saying 6 million. So they've really, really opened it up. I find that um, I'm embracing it with with all new new technology that comes on for social media. I enjoy how advanced we've become in other areas, not just on social media, but even in, uh, in movies, music, even print media has actually improved over the years. And I find that very fascinating. And I'm always trying to stay on top of it. Do you have any comments about technology and where it's come from? Um, Where it's come from? Where it's come from and where we are today. Like, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Um, Well, you know, I think that it's, it's always a double-edged sword. You know what I mean? Uh, There are, Great tools for connecting. Uh, you know, we lined up off of Clubhouse, right? Yes. But then the other side of it is that there's this invasion of privacy and that your data is getting scraped. So I, I have this hunch that Clubhouse is selling phone numbers or distributing phone numbers in some capacity. I'm not exactly... Um, I can't necessarily uh, put my finger on that. And I I can't say for certain, but I got a pretty good feeling about it. Um, Just, just as a, as a person who who pays attention to those kind of things. Well, I agree with you there. I know I've talked to a lot of my colleagues and friends and family about social media and their rights, like the social media company's rights to uh, use data that's shared. A lot of them are, well, most of my friends and family say they shouldn't be able to, and I go, it's a free platform. They're going to have to make their money somehow. And 
if you want your information private, you don't go on these platforms. Or when you get on the platform, you read, dig down, read everything that there is about it. Because I'm sure like the clubhouse has been around since I think March when they first uh, started. And they have to pay their employees somehow. So right. as you said, are they selling phone numbers or what? We don't know that. But it's the only thing that really, the only asset they really have is names and phone numbers. Right. And, and email if you submit it to them. Oh, yeah. Which I would rather they allow for sign up via email out of the gate than via phone number. Yeah. You know, we have to control our privacy and we have to be aware of what they're doing with the data that we do share with them. Now, as we're talking a bit about travel here, is there anything that you think is important to share with listeners about travel or your personal travel? Well, uh, you know, over the last five years, I've been trying to see more of America. I think that there's lots of great things to see here. And, you know, most people from the States haven't seen them themselves. So I did want to see them and made the attempt to do that. So I've marked off 48 States, the lower 48. I still have to get to Alaska and Hawaii. One day I will. Um, But along the way, you know, visiting friends and family and stuff, I started to visit national parks and take photos there and blog about it a little bit. This was kind of an extension of touring with bands to me personally, like in my personal narrative. So when I had uh, played music actively, you know, we would book tours and and travel around. And uh, what I learned while doing that is how little you really need while you're traveling. Uh, you, I think that, I think that we really want to kind of extend our comfort outside of the home. So we're like, oh, I'm going to drag all these things with me, and it just burdens us uh, mentally and then physically while we're out traveling. Because in reality, it's not about being comfortable like home. It's about experiencing these new places and people, and you're, you're going to be surprised how little you, you need and how lean you can travel. Um, you don't need to take probably more than uh, like a carry on luggage worth of clothes for, for most things. Now, if you're going to be out there for a long time, well, you know, that's at your discretion, but like, you know, even a week trip or even a two week trip out in the world, like a tour can be, you can you can get by with much less than you assumed you would need in terms of clothing or amenities and, and things like that. So that's what I would I would say that's the that's the big takeaway for me from from traveling and continuing to travel. And to add on to that, people think travel is really expensive, and it can be uh, if you choose to travel that way. Obviously, you know, going to cities is expensive, but visiting national parks, I mean, you can get a year pass and go to national parks. You can go to a lot of national parks with that year pass and it's not so expensive. You could camp out if you wanted to, or you could, um, you know, partner up with other travelers for Airbnbs and things like that. 
there are a lot of options. And I think one thing I've learned doing this podcast, I've been talking to a lot of people from all over the world. And the thing about discovering your own country, I know for a fact here in Canada, well, just like the United States, we have big land. And it's not like Europe where you can travel across the country maybe in one day. Here it's going to take you time. And I know that uh, for myself, I've got more to see in Canada. I've been to the British, British Columbia. I've been to the east coast of Canada. So I just have the prairies to do. I spent a lot of time driving down the east coast of the United States. So Fantastic. I really love that. I love, you know, just getting in a car and driving and stopping where you want to. Yeah. Seeing things that you never seen before. And I'll say this from a Canadian aspect. When I was growing up and seeing America on TV, all you got to see was the cities. So that's all I ever thought was it was just a big city. Not until we started driving and got to see <laughs> such beautiful country, beautiful people. It was something I encourage everybody to do is get in your car. Everybody has a car. Some people have two, three. Yeah, I know gas is expensive. Not really. <laughs> you got to get out and you got to explore, even if it's your own backyard. Like, I mean, Absolutely. as you said, national parks. We have here in Canada, we have provincial parks and national parks. Mm -hmm. So many wonderful places to see. And because we're locked in, we have been for a while, we're suffering cabin fever and we need to get out. So your idea there about, you know, roughing it, that's what I would call it. You know, like a lot of people, they need their, well, the women need their makeup, they need their hair dryer, they need their curling iron, guys, well, as long as they have their gadget, they seem to be okay. <laughs> you know, that and a pair of jeans and a hunting knife, maybe they'll be okay. But you don't have to pack the house when you travel. It's travel light. There are places where if you need to, you can wash your clothes. Yep. But it's to get out and explore. I always say, always say that, you know, as humans, that's in our DNA is to travel. You already told us about your travel dreams or your places you want to visit. Mm -hmm. Is there one specific, maybe we'll just take a city, take a city and tell us what city sort of sticks out in your mind that you've actually visited. Uh, uh, I'm not really a city person. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So let's go total, totally opposite. We'll go to, because you have a love for your national parks mm -hmm. and you are a photographer, what would you say is your favorite national park and why? Well, uh, I've had great times at all the national parks. I think that if you're going to pick one, if you can only do one, um, you know, make it the one down the street, I suppose. But if if you can if you can afford the time and uh, you know the expense and everything, I, I can't recommend uh, Yellowstone enough. And and the great thing about Yellowstone is that it butts right up to the Tetons. Um, so you've got two national parks right there in Northwest Wyoming, and Wyoming is an incredible state in general. Uh, big fan of Wyoming; it's definitely in my top two states. 
And um, Yellowstone is basically like six to eight national parks in terms of features all lumped into one. It is just an incredible location. The geology there, the animal life, the, the hydrology that's going on, just amazing. Uh, there is no shortage of, of photographic opportunities in, inside of that park. And the Tetons are, the Grand Teton National Park is incredible too. I've been there twice and I, I haven't actually gotten great photos there, unfortunately. Both the times when I was visiting, it was, it was kind of moody. It was a little bit uh, overcast inside of, inside of the park. So I, you know, I owe it another trip at some point in the future as well as, is Yellowstone. I've been there twice. And again, uh, you know, I've hit all the highlights, but there is so much to do there. And, uh, I recommend it to anybody because the value that you get in terms of sites and memories and experiences is, is really, really tough to compete with in terms of, uh, that park, you know, it, it was the first national park it was designated by uh, Ulysses S. Grant in 1872, I believe. So it kind of started the national park movement as well. Well, I can say the only national park that I spent any time in in the States was uh, Grand Canyon National Park. Oh, very cool. I've only flown over it. I should have went there a couple of years ago and didn't. Uh, it looks amazing. A friend of mine actually uh, ran sound for a wedding on the edge of the canyon wow some years ago and his pictures yeah his pictures were amazing it, it's super epic to just see you know a, a large sound system out in the middle of arizona you know and then the canyon is behind it it, the, it looks silly but it it's also uh you know a great photo op definitely also, when I was on that trip, uh, we used Vegas as our, our base. I'm not really a gambler, so the casinos, other than their design, really didn't didn't pique my interest. But while we were there, we talked to a local, and I said, okay, I know Grand Canyon's that way, but what's that way? And as it was, it was Red Rock Canyon, and decided that we'd take a day and travel Red Rock Canyon. And to travel there and think that you're in the middle of, nowhere but there's a city a huge city of las vegas just on the other side that was quite amazing as you mentioned earlier you know because of lockdown and uncertainty we need to actually explore our backyards i really not a fan of vegas but again to use that as a base there's so much you can explore from there Grand Canyon, you can actually take bus tours. Well, I don't know if you can now because of the pandemic, but you were able to take bus tours that would pick you up from your hotel. Right. And then have you back the same day. Where myself, I decided I was with my younger brother. He's a photographer as well. We were down there to do that. We just drove and we stopped along the way and it was different places to see. And although it's dry and barren, it's there's beauty in that as well. So I do appreciate you coming on the show today, Michael, and talking about everything from architecture to photography, national parks, your your books, the expedition, the uh, 1893 Chicago Columbian Exhibition. And what I'm going to do at the end of the show or when I put up the show, I'm going to 
share some information so people can look at what you have out there. And yeah, so I really want to thank you again. And is there any closing comments you have before we go? Yeah, I would say that, um, you know, like just to recap some of the Vegas stuff too, because I've been out there three or four times. That's actually where my friend lives that that ran sound for that wedding. Great stuff out there. The city's, you know, it's cool. There's lots of stuff to see, lots of great shows. Uh, But you're also within reach of Hoover Dam, Lake Mead, the Mojave Desert in general, uh, Joshua Tree, and a slew of other stuff. You're only four hours from L.A., But I think that when people are traveling, it's really important to document your experience and to get the ideas out of your head as they're doing it, right? And you never know kind of what you can do with these things and how you can share them with other people because we've all kind of recapped our our road trips or our uh, vacations and things like that in in a lot of stills or even a little bit of video. But if you can produce something that is maybe a blog post or even just, um, you know, something a little more produced for people to, to see it, then they, they might, they might, uh, they might be inspired to go and and try those things. That's kind of what happened with me. That's why I ended up putting together uh, exploring our national parks volume one, because I had been blogging about it. And then all of a sudden it was like, you know what, I, I could, I could edit this into a book and put this out there for other people to see. And, you know, I've got some friends in there and uh, you know, now they're in print as well. So they appreciate that. Well, I think that's all it is, is to help people to inspire people to travel inspire people to write down their memories because as we get a little older, as I am get a little older, we seem to forget some things. I know in my personal travels, when I travel with my wife, I'm the photographer. She'll write the material for to go along with what we did and where we were. And we share that on our platform so that people can live through us. uh, and, And hopefully they will be inspired to travel as well. Your, your book on the national parks will, and I know it does, inspire people to travel. So again, Michael, thank you for coming on the show today, and thank we will for, be in touch. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Thank you.